Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Welcome, everybody, to the Nurse Leader Network podcast. I'm your host, Chris Racinos. And today we're going to talk about what we talk about often on this show, which is wellness. We know that we have to take care of ourselves. We don't do a good job of that. And so we're going to talk some more today about some different tips and tricks that you can do to begin to prioritize yourself as being number one. So today's guest is Katia Prosper. She is the CEO and founder of the Oasis Experience. Okay, just saying that makes me feel at zen. So welcome to the show, Katia. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm glad that you get that same feeling. As I was coming up with the idea for the whole business, I wanted even the name of it to sound like, oh, I need that in my life. I know. I I want that. I want to feel that. (laughs) Like, that's what we need, right? We need oasises at the hospital. We need oasises in the schools of nursing, right? We need to have these oasis locations where we can just, you know, get into our feel good zone so we can go and help others feel good. So welcome to the show. I'm super happy to have you on. Uh, Why don't you share with us your journey? I'd love to hear, you know, how did you get into nursing and how did you get to where you are now? Okay, awesome. So first of all, I'm super happy to be here with you as well. And I'm proud to be a nurse leader. So my journey started in 2002, believe it or not, when I had my son who is 18 now and just graduated from high school. Ah, We're getting so old. I know. (laughs) So the experience that I had and a little bit more background, my mother is a nurse. She's been a nurse for over 40 years. And everyone used to ask me, oh, Katia, aren't you going to be a nurse just like your mom? And my answer always was emphatically no. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just tell you, count the ways that I say no. Right. And then, so my experience of being pregnant and going to childbirth classes, breastfeeding classes, and the nurses that cared for me during labor and delivery and my recovery and postpartum was incredible. And I said to myself, I want to be able to give that feeling to other people. That's why I became a nurse. So long road, because at that point, I'm taking care of a newborn, raising a child as a single mother, and then going back to school to become a nurse. Went to Georgia State University, got my bachelor's in nursing, and fell in love with ICU almost immediately. I worked, um, I graduated in 2012, worked as an ICU nurse for about two and a half years. Because of the whole labor and delivery connection, and that's why I became a nurse, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do L&D for a little while. I did it for about a year. It wasn't my thing. Went back to the ICU. (laughs) That's the part about nursing, right? We could go and do and try a number of different things. Absolutely. And then I decided, okay, ICU as much as I love it, it is wear and tear on your body mentally, emotionally, physically, all those things. And I wanted to be able to have a different impact. I wanted to be able to reach patients before they needed an organ transplant, before they showed up in the ICU. So I went back to school to become a family nurse practitioner, you know, advanced practice nurse, master's program, all that beautiful stuff. 
which was crazy because nursing school was the hardest thing I had ever done in my life. Why would I go back and sign up for more? And this time <laughs> I have a child and I'm already working and then I've got to do school and clinicals. It was insane. It was crazy, but I think it takes crazy for us to do what we do. So that's what I did. And during that time is when I found um, and started to explore with yoga during um, my undergrad program, as well as in graduate school. The stress of school is very overwhelming in addition to life and work and child raising and all of those things. And I can't even remember how I went to my first yoga class, but I'm so glad that I did because I realized that I wasn't paying attention to breathing. And it's something that we naturally and normally do and we take it for granted. In yoga, you actually get to be still for a moment and notice your breath. And the power of that for me was immense. And it helped calm me, relax me. I was able to think a little bit clearly, even if it just lasted for a few moments. And that's kind of what got me through a lot of crazy stressful moments and periods in my nursing career, um, furthering my education, parenthood, dating, just life, right? (laughs) So then I became an NP in 2017, and I've been working as a nurse practitioner since then. Of course, I found a job in wellness because that is That is the area I really wanted to be in. And I found it very rewarding to be able to have that impact that I intended to have when I went back to school, to be able to help people with health and wellness in a kind of pretty holistic kind of way. Then the pandemic happened and I went on the road as a travel nurse, ICU, ER nurse practitioner, all of that good stuff. Thankfully, I had my yoga and meditation practice pretty pretty um, standard in my life at this point. And that's kind of what helped me stay sane through all of the crazy that we all experienced last year. Got my yoga teacher training certification in 2018 as well. I went on a whim. It just, I woke up one day and I'm like, huh. I think I want to go to yoga teacher training. And I found, <laughs> seriously, and I found somewhere in Atlanta, and the course was actually starting that day. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll just wait for the next one in January. This was September. So I called, and they called me, they emailed me back during the lunch break and said, We've only, you've only missed half a session. If you can come in at two today, we'd, we'd happily take you. So that's how I became a yoga teacher. <laughs> You are literally like a living, breathing testimony of what family nurse practitioners want and aim to be. Like when I became a family nurse practitioner, it was literally because I wanted right to heal. I did. I wanted to prevent same kind of thing. And I think that's what the majority of FNPs go to school for. But you are literally like taking a step further and moving beyond the medicine to, you know, holistically, like what other aspects of care really need to be integrated to help you be your best. Well, thank you. I, I, and what's crazy is I think that's always been in me and I just didn't really know how to tap into it, to be honest. And a friend of mine hates the word coincidences. She doesn't believe in them. She thinks it's all divine 
alignment and divine timing that things happen as they should. And I end up meeting the right people and being in the right frame of mind and right place and right time. And all of these things come into alignment as far as becoming a nurse, becoming a mom, becoming a nurse practitioner, becoming a yoga instructor, all the way to where I am now with my business, which I'll tell you a little bit about real quick. (laughs) So ironically, today, the day that we are recording this is the one year anniversary of the conception of the idea for my business. Yay! Yay! Happy anniversary! (laughs) Thank you. So my partner and I were on a beach road trip between COVID assignments. I just needed an escape to breathe and kind of decompress before I went on my next assignment. And we are driving to uh, Tampa, St. Pete Beach area. And I'm trying to think of, okay, what do I really love to do? What can I wake up and do every day that I love, whether I get paid for it or not? Of course, yoga and meditation came to mind. And then I realized I've always been a healer, even, even before I became a nurse, and then even more so through nursing. And then just the way I have conversations with people and the things that people share with me and how I can look at the whole big picture. And I realized that I transitioned from wanting to help sick patients to wanting to help my patients in a different capacity as far as prevention, education, wellness, and health. And now it's shifting to, I want to help us as in healthcare workers Uh, nurses specifically, because that's who I am, but I want to cover the whole gamut of healthcare professionals and help us to help ourselves so that we can take better care of everyone in our lives. We neglect ourselves and we take care of our patients, our kids, our spouses, our partners, our pets, our plants, our homes, our families, everything. And we don't drink enough water. We don't use the bathroom. We don't eat. We don't exercise. We don't sleep. (laughs) I got my water right here. (laughs) Yeah. We don't do the things that we teach our patients to do the same things that we're telling our patients to do every day for them to have health and longevity. We're not doing it for ourselves. And so I saw a space, especially after the past year that I felt this could fill a gap. We need we need healthcare providers who know intimately what we go through, what we experience on an intimate level, helping us learn to take better care of ourselves. Even if it is just 5 minutes of chair yoga or a 1 minute meditation or breath work or taking time for ourselves, exploring self-care. We need it. We need it now more than ever. And so that's kind of where I have transitioned to career-wise is the Oasis experience. I want to create this space where healthcare providers are learning how to create their own Oasis and, and fill their cups in order to be able to do every magical thing that we do every day. Why do you think it's so hard for us? Like, why is it so hard to take care of ourselves? What is it? I think innately we are givers, we're nurturers, and part of us is 
not okay unless everyone and everything around us is okay. And what we fail to recognize is that, and I love this example and I've used it for years, but you know, when you're on an airplane and the flight attendants are doing the safety video and they say that if the oxygen mask falls, who do you put it on first? Yourself before you help others. You're no good to anybody if you're not good to yourself first. And I think a lot of us think that it's selfish to think about ourselves first before we think about others. But it just makes sense. The stronger you are, the more you feed into yourself in healthy ways, the more able you are to do more for everyone around you. Everyone benefits when you put yourself first and when you take care of yourself first. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, this, even through going, becoming an NP and, you know, like I even worked at the VA where I was, you know, a leader and I saw patients and that we had this wonderful program around like meditation and something called healing touch and all of these really great, like holistic ways to care for yourself. But even as I was leading these programs, I had never tried meditation and I had never tried yoga. And it literally took one of my kids having some behavioral health challenges and a recommendation from a therapist, like, why don't you do yoga with him? Like, why don't you do some meditation with him? It'll help him focus. It'll help him, you know, and I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to try it for my son. Right. And so I, you know, got a headspace account and, you know, put this on and I sat there with him and no joke, like we only did the three minute one. Cause I was like, okay, this kid can't focus beyond like a minute or two. I right. can't focus beyond a minute or two. Like, <laughs> let's just do a three minute one and we'll see how it goes. And so we did it. And I, I kept like opening an eye to see like, is he really hit kids? His eyes really closed. Is he really doing like, you know, the things that we should be doing or whatever. And when we were done, he was like, mom, that felt so good. That was awesome. And then the next day, like at lunchtime, I was like, okay, let's do some yoga together. And he was like, yeah, for sure. Let's do it. That was the first time I did yoga. And let me tell you something. Number one, I didn't know that yoga was that, uh, could be that physically intense. Like I was, I thought yoga, like you just lay there and you relax (laughs) and it's nice. I was doing some stuff and I was like, why am I sweating in yoga? Like is this supposed to happen? Is this a normal thing? But it really, like it took that level for me to actually engage in it myself. And now, I mean, I have Peloton, I'm on yoga all the time. I have my Headspace app. Like these are embedded, but it was such resistance that I had to trying it. Even though I knew the literature, even though I knew it was benefiting patients, even though I knew all these things, what do you think the resistance is? Like to those folks that are listening right now and they're like, I know that it should help and this and that, but I just can't fit into my day. What do you think some of that resistance is and how do we overcome it? I think we get so used to the the everyday rigmarole. Got to get up, got to work this 12-hour shift. I've got to take care of this, that, and the other. And it is because we're just programmed to kind of care about and do for everyone around us and not pour into ourselves first. I also think it's a part because nursing in particular is a female dominated profession, although we're getting more and more men into the profession. And a lot of us are parents and 
nurturers and caregivers. And we are just used to, or we've seen plenty of examples of, you know, maybe a family member before us, and this is how they did it. And so this is the way we, we mirror them and we think, okay, I need to do it just like they did it. And it is hard to change. We are all resistant to change, no matter how much any of us says, oh, I love change. Nobody loves change. (laughs) Our bodies don't even like change. We like homeostasis. Our bodies want to stay right here in the middle. You know, our, our blood pH is in such a narrow window. All of our labs, when we, you know, reviewing our lab values, the lab values for the most part are very narrow. And the minute you go above too high or low too high, something goes haywire. Our bodies don't like change. Our minds don't like change even more, but change is good for us. And it takes a while to adjust. And I think a lot of times we expect things to be as rapid as epi. Like, <laughs> right, like I did yoga once. Why am I not skinny and flexible like the right, yoga structure? Right. I did I did two squats. Why isn't my butt lifted? <laughs> right. right. How come I haven't lost 10 pounds? I started working out 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Oh, I can't do meditation. I can't sit still. I can't focus. Yoga isn't for me. It's only for skinny people or people that wear Uggs or people that drink Starbucks or whatever kind of misconceptions we have about it. It really is for everybody and it doesn't have to look a certain way. And I think that if we just open our minds and say, you know what, the same way I'm telling my patients to do something that's good for themselves that they may not want to do, like cut back on drinking alcohol or quit smoking or, hey, you've got hypertension, you need to start exercising and cut back on your sodium and take this medicine the same way we need to make those adjustments for ourselves before we have some sort of disorder that is going to be making those decisions for us. And I'm one of those proactive people. I don't want my body having conditions, deteriorating kind of chronic conditions that are dictating how I live my life. I'd rather make the decisions now that I know are going to benefit me in the long run, even if it's a little uncomfortable, like going to bed a little earlier. I hate going to bed early. It's not my thing, but my body's telling me, go to sleep. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, sleep. Well, forensic files is on. How am I going to go to sleep when there's another episode of right. forensic files from the nineties that I've watched 20 times that I want to rewatch. Right. I'm trying to binge watch <laughs> Netflix. Come on. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of the resistance comes from. It's like, well, I've been, you know, I've been, I've been living off of five hours of sleep all these years. I'll be fine. You know, I've been eating this way and behaving this way all these years and I'm fine, but our bodies break down earlier than we want to. I'm like, my knees right now don't like me at all. And I haven't even done anything to them. Right. So it's kind of like that adjusting in the mind that, okay, I, I've got to try something different because what I'm currently doing isn't working. And although this seems strange and foreign and I don't think I might like it, or I don't think it's for me, or just kind of having an open mind and giving it a try or two or three, because maybe the first time it just didn't land the way it was supposed to land. Or you went to a class and you didn't really care for the instructor, or it was just, you know, just an off day. And it's like, okay, maybe I just need to hear another voice or 
try a different style of yoga, or maybe I just sit in my room and breathe without having any music on, or maybe I need music as a distraction or sounds or something. And just giving it a try for a minute or two. No one's saying you have to do a whole hour yoga class or a 30-minute meditation on your first try. Just like you said with your son, it was three minutes and he loved it. And he's a a young, a little boy who have so much energy and they're so active and sometimes hyperactive. And he was able to sit for three minutes and it's like, okay, I think I could give three minutes a try. Yeah. I asked him, I said, how did you feel before and after? And he's like, I just feel so calm now. And I was like, okay, good. So this is, you know, this is how you pay yourself and your body. And I think you're right. That's the thing is, you know, I'm, I, I learned this habit recently, actually. I'm writing a book right now. And my book coach was like, okay, I don't care what you do, but every day you have to write. And I'm like, oh, I hate writing. Like, I, that's why I have a podcast. I like to talk. Not write. <laughs> and um, he's like, even if it's just eight minutes. And so he's like, just set them. You know, he's like, you have eight minutes in your day. I guarantee you have eight minutes in a day. Like, you know, cut your time in the bathroom short or so you have eight minutes in the day. You can figure out eight minutes. And so, you know, I put this little thing on my calendar and I have my little eight minutes. And that's how I started actually working out was another app that I had that it was a two minute exercise, literally two minutes. You did like 20 squats and then a couple jumping jumpy, you know, and it was two minutes and I was like, oh, I could like totally do this. But that's how I began to build the habit. And that's how when you have these new habits, you have to start super duper small. And then you'll start noticing like after a month of it, it's like I would like, you know, I'd set it for three minutes, but then I'd be like, let me hit double and do twice because I'm like, I could do twice. Like it feels good. I want to do more. And that's kind of, you know, how it happened. So I think, yeah, you're right. It's like, just start, just start. Exactly. And, and you're also, you also had a good point about like trying more than once because I, I also got a Peloton after I did this exercise, like it actually led to me buying a Peloton. Cause I was like, okay, I can now, you know, have this ability and desire to want to exercise. Right. I got on the Peloton and I had the instructor and I was just like, oh, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. <laughs> and then my friends on, I have this like mommy and friend group on Facebook and they were like, hey, have you followed Cody Rigsby? For those of you who are all Peloton users, you know who he is. So, you know, I was like, oh, I don't know who this is, whatever, but I'll try it. Like I'm, you know, joined the boot crew. And then after I did one ride with him, I was like, oh my God, I love him. Like yeah. I have- I love and I can't stop preaching his name. And he literally motivates me to exercise every day. So, yes, awesome. you got it. I love him. I use Peloton app yeah. as well. And I love uh, yoga sessions with che- Chelsea Roberts Jackson or Jackson Roberts. Oh, yeah. She's amazing. Love, love, love her. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's just little. You start super little, right? Give yourself like start 60 minutes a day. I mean, 60 seconds a day, like literally one minute of either meditation or like a one yoga pose. Yeah. Where are some great places, some great free places that people that haven't tried yoga or meditation are interested in learning about that, that they could, you know, maybe learn a pose to make sure, you know, that they're positioned correctly or learn, you know, like, how do you do a 60 second meditation? Shameless plug. You come to my Instagram page and I'll teach you that stuff. <laughs> What's your Instagram? Um, it's at the.oasis.experience. And that is kind of what I'm showing. Like actually last week I had a, my first yoga challenge on Instagram and I had a different pose for each day. And I just encouraged people to take a picture of themselves in the pose, share it, tag me, all of that good stuff. And what I will be doing is 
going over certain poses, recording myself doing meditations, et cetera, et cetera, to kind of walk you through it. So you get an experience of what it's really like. I also recommend checking out YouTube. There are tons of people on YouTube that have free YouTube um, yoga sessions or even meditations. That way you can just kind of get a feel for it and you just put in the time frame you want and you can find it. There's five minutes, there's 10 minutes, there's 20 minutes, there's even two minutes, just whatever you are comfortable with. Like you said, to start 60 seconds to start. And then you did mention apps. Um, I have Headspace app and I have the Calm app. Both are really great. And I think last year they had discounts for providers because of COVID. Yeah. You were able to get a subscription for free for like a year. Yeah, for a year. And so I think my renewal period just came up for one of those apps. But it's a great way to get started in meditation. For example, you can do as short or as long as you like just to kind of get a feel for what is it like to sit down and breathe and close my eyes and look inward for a moment. And I want to say as well, a lot of times we are looking externally for answers to things. We ask friends, we ask a mentor, we ask a coach, we ask Google, we ask the internet. And a lot of times we know the answer. We just don't trust ourselves enough. And so what I've learned through my practice in meditation is that the answers I'm looking for, a lot of times I already have them. It's just that I had to get quiet enough and be still enough to hear my own voice because we get so clouded by all the external noise that we can't sit still and hear our own voice and what we want, what we desire, what we need. And so we're always seeking it outside, outside, outside. And we're wondering why we're unhappy or unfulfilled. And it's like, "Eh, maybe you got to sit still for a minute and listen to yourself and figure out what it is that you need. And the answer could be anything. Yeah. I tell my students, I said, I asked them that, like, how often do you schedule purposefully in your time to block out time where you're in stillness, where you're just sitting, where you're creative? Like, if you look at like CEOs of, you know, like huge corporations, like they literally take days off per week to just think, like just to sit, think, let their creative juices flow, let their non-creative juices flow, but really just to be grounded in making better decisions for themselves and their business. So yeah, I think just that reflective process is really important because we don't, we don't take time to stop. And then we wonder like, why, how did I end up here? And it's because you didn't plan it. You didn't, you ended up where you are because you didn't stop to say, Hey, is this direction I'm going on the right direction. So you're going to end up wherever your actions are taking you, whether you choose that or not. So yeah. It helps you to be intentional in your purpose. And a lot of us don't even know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a culture just in healthcare, all of us healthcare professionals with the rigorous education that we, and training that we had to get where we are today. We we got used to that being our norm and you go straight from the education piece to your profession after you pass your boards. And it's also quite rigorous and it's go, 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 go. 
And a lot of us don't take vacations. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A lot of us don't use our paid time off. A lot of us won't even take a sick day. Yeah. Even though we're sick. And it's like, what is the point in doing all of that if we neglect ourselves? And so taking these moments to have purposeful, intentional stillness to recognize, oh, I'm sleep deprived. Oh, I haven't been taking good care of myself. Oh, I haven't scheduled my mammogram and I'm 40 plus. Oh, I haven't done ABC, whatever it may be. And realizing that sometimes when you take a one minute pause, it can have an even longer impact on us as far as clarity, planning, and you end up having a better week because you took a few minutes to gather yourself. I remember when we were kids, right? And our parents would give us a timeout. Or, okay, go sit in your room and think about what you've done. They were telling us to go meditate. We just, they didn't have the language for it, neither (laughs) did we. But it's like, sit still and think about what you're doing. Think about what you've done. Think about what you want to do, want to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. We need to label that, right? We need to normalize adult timeouts. Yeah. I I need to take a timeout every day. We need to have small timeouts. (laughs) I love it. And just reflect. We yeah, need we need it. And then it's like, you're so busy. And then we can binge watch hours of TV and like, oh my gosh, where did the time go? Mm-hmm. And and yet we say, I don't have 30 minutes to exercise or I don't have five minutes to meditate. But we have a lot of time for other things. <laughs> yeah. There's no excuses anymore. I think Headspace I saw is on Netflix now. Like you can actually it's get on it. Netflix. If you have yeah. Netflix, you can do some meditations there. And then I know a lot of healthcare organizations, I get my healthcare from Kaiser Permanente and they give health calm and headspace for free to their um, people. And that's a lot of HMOs and a lot of schools, a lot of places of work. They realize now that, you know, as employees, we're just, we're better when we have that space to mentally decompress. And so I would say, you know, you may be having this, these services offered for free. You don't even have to pay for them and they're there. And if not, you know, um, I like highly recommend uh, checking out Katia because she it rocks. She has some amazing videos and posts on there. And I'd be amiss if I didn't mention uh, therapy. I'm also a big proponent of therapy. A lot of our organizations have the employee assistance programs. And if you have insurance, you can find an insurance provider. There are even apps like BetterHelp and Talkspace. We need to make sure that we're taking care of our mental health as well as our emotional health and our physical health as well. The same way we encourage our patients to do. And we've been through a lot. Anybody that's worked as a nurse, an occupational therapist, respiratory therapy, PA, NP, doctor, we've seen a lot in the past 18 months, a lot more than some of us have seen in our entire careers. And we need a safe space to talk about that, to process it, to heal from it. Yeah. And so it's not just, okay, making time for myself in yoga or meditation or, or breath work, but it's like, okay, I might need therapy too. Yeah. And that's okay. My, my daughter's going to school right now to become a psychologist. And we were talking the other day as I was driving her to her job at Starbucks, which she loves. And she was like, we were talking and 
she's like, well, can I open up my own shop as a, you know, can I do therapy if I'm a psychologist versus LCSW? You know, we were talking about the different things and I was like, yeah, you can open up your own shop and whatnot. And I said, but you know, I made a comment and it was like, really not, I hadn't thought about the comment. I just like, it came out and I said, just don't ever work in the emergency room and you don't ever want to work in um, the department of children and family services. And she was like, why? And I told her, you know, well, I was a foster kid and the things that I saw, you know, were terrible. And I actually lost one of my social workers to suicide. And so I said, I just don't want you to have to go through that, you know? And I, I said, you know, and she's like, well, don't, I have to go through therapy anyways. Like they told me, you know, as a therapist, I have to get therapy. So even if I'm in these bad cases and I was like, actually, you know, we need really good social workers to work with these kids. Yeah. Like, never mind. Take, I take that back. Don't listen to what your mom said. Just make sure you get <laughs> therapy if you're in this. But as you talk, I'm thinking and reflecting on, we are, we kind of mandate, right? That therapists get therapy. Like that's one of the biggest recommendations that we, that there is. And these folks are just talking to people. Whereas nurses, we are seeing, I see the child that was abused. I see the blood, the death, the, you know, agony, the crying. Like I am there. I'm not just talking about it, not just talking about it because talking about it is a big thing, but I'm not, it's not a conversation that I'm having. I'm actually like in the weeds witnessing it. Why are we not recommending and requiring that for nursing? Like we all talk and see on Instagram and all these other places where, you know, we, literally toe tag a patient and then have to walk in and like be happy with the next one. Like that's not normal. It's It's not normal normal at all. And you, what you're saying is so, so true. I can't tell you how many times I had to compartmentalize the grief I've experienced from losing a, a long time patient and then, okay, suck that up. Cause I have an alive patient next door that needs me. And needs me to be in good spirits because they're about to get a new heart or something like that. And then we we're, we clock out and we go home and then we come back, rinse and repeat. And we haven't dealt with, debriefed, processed any of that. And where does it go? Yeah. We internalize it. And we all know that when you internalize your emotions and your feelings, it affects your physical body. And so it deteriorates. Yeah, it deteriorates us further. Absolutely. Yep. And we wonder why we have these ailments, or I get migraines all the time, or I can't use the bathroom without a laxative, or you know, my pain, or everything's just off, and we can't figure out why. And it's like newsflash. (laughs) Yeah, maybe (laughs) we should address our mental health. Yeah, which is why a, a, another big reason of why I want to do this is because I also want it to become the norm for like nursing students and medical students that they learn to incorporate ways to care for themselves from the beginning. So they're not in our position where they're learning it after years of doing it on the back end, if you will. Like, oh, okay, wow, I got to really change some things as opposed to okay, while I'm learning how to be this in this profession, I'm also learning balance and taking good care of myself so that I can be practicing what I'm preaching from the beginning. Yeah, that's definitely, it's something I share with my nursing students and I, I don't just share it, I make them do it. So for example, you know, we sit and say, oh, we care, we don't want you to sit, but we've had these nursing students sometimes sit eight hours a day on a Zoom. Like who wants to sit eight hours a day on a Zoom? So literally like every hour I'm getting them up, I'm having them stretch. And I, they probably are like, we have seen Mrs. Dr. Racinos's belly more times than we want to see it. Cause I get up and I'm like, all right, we're going to do these. And I'm not a yoga instructor. I am just some like 
person that knows nothing about yoga other than I watch Cody Risby and all the other cool people on Peloton. Right. But, um, you know, so, so that being said, I think it is important for us to practice what we preach, right? Get these folks up. I talked to them about burnout and, you know, just yesterday, actually, I was having a lecture and it was regarding sleep. And I think what a lot of people don't know is there's studies that have shown that like on daylight savings time. So for those states that practice daylight savings time, we see an increase of like 18 to 20% of MIs the day after daylight savings time. That's one hour loss of sleep. Like not sleeping, you know, has detrimental effects. It increases our cancer rates. It increases all of these, you know, our immune system, like totally the function goes down. We don't get that parasympathetic, you know, nervous system effects that we need to have with adequate rest, yet we compromise it. And it's not, you know, we see sleep as a luxury when it's not a luxury. It's a requirement for your living, healthy well-being. And so, you know, I always am lecturing my students about like, you need to sleep, not study because an right. extra hour of sleep when you, you know, an extra hour of studying is not going to help you pass that test when you're doing it when you're tired. It's just not. Right. It's, not it's even more, it's been, there are studies that show it's more dead. It's just as deadly as a DUI to be driving while sleepy. I'm yeah. Sleeping. Horrible accidents resulting in fatalities from people falling asleep at the wheel. Yeah. And your just cognition is off. Yeah. Yeah. Your balance is off. Your critical thinking skills, your decision-making abilities, all impacted by lack of sleep. Not to mention your mood, probably more irritable, cranky. You have less energy. You're going to be less likely to exercise that day. It affects and impacts so much. And if you're probably, we're probably in the same age bracket. We've grown up in this culture of you sleep when you're dead, hustle, 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 grind, grind, grind. And it's like, yeah, you'll sleep when you're dead because you're going to die probably five to 10 years sooner than your counterparts that get adequate sleep. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. We don't realize what we're doing until it's too late when you're there and you're like, wow, I just got this diagnosis of whatever. And I'm in my thirties and this is not something that should be impacting me in my thirties. So totally agree. Well, listen, it has been phenomenal talking to you. I, you know, I really appreciate everything that you have shared. Like I said, your Instagram is a hit. It has tons of free resources on there around how to finally put yourself first. If folks want to find out more about you or their Oasis experience, where can they find you? I am on Instagram. My page is at the.oasis.experience. I'm also on Facebook, The Oasis Experience. And there's a link in the bio where you can sign up for my email list and get exclusive information. I post a lot of stuff about yoga, about meditation, and it's for everyone. It's not just for those who are familiar with it or have experience with it. I try to make it for all levels. I explain the terms, the poses, what meditation is, what the benefits are, how to incorporate it into your already busy schedule. Because I know we're all busy. We're all adults. We all have our lives and everything that revolves around them. My job is to help you learn to take better care of yourself. And as soon as things start to get normalized as far as travel is concerned, Yoga, uh, wellness retreats are going to be on the menu as well. So we can get to do a lot of this stuff in person. And I'm excited about that. So you get that whole Oasis experience in an actual Oasis type of space 
and you get to get one-on-one teachings with me. And, you know, if I have special guests come along, so look out for all of those yummy treats coming soon. And then I am actually also going to be doing one-on-one virtual sessions in the meantime. So one-on-one yoga, meditation, and intuitive healing until, you know, to bridge the gap between that and when we start doing the wellness retreats. Oh, I love it. And I already told you, like, I'm the first on the waiting list for the wellness retreat. I'm so excited. (laughs) Awesome. Well, this has been fabulous. Thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. 